What a weekend, right? Did anybody see that coming? Did anybody have other plans on Friday and your plans didn't turn out the way that you thought they were going to turn out? You know, that was a good reminder to me that we can make plans, but it is all in the Lord's will. What, what does God want for me today? And, and, and I need to be willing to re- respond to whatever he says I need to do, not whatever I have planned. And, uh, you know, we just, Lord willing, uh, we used to say Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Well, I, we never had a creek where I lived and I didn't really understand what that meant until, you know, of course, Lusk a few years ago and then, uh, and then this deal, which could have been much worse. You know, um, God, God, God watched over us, even, even in the activity that happened around this property and in town with all the trucks and people and, and, and all of that that was going on, there were no major injuries that I know of, and uh, the Lord really uh, watched over us. Um, you know, as the title goes, Confused in Life, life can be confusing, can't it? I mean, it can seem incredibly random. I mean, the, the canal breaking, where it did, when it did, kind of random, right? It seems that way. Um, the chaos in our nation. Uh, and if we focus selfishly, as we've been saying, for those of you who have joined us and you haven't uh, been with us at the beginning of Ecclesiastes, um, if we focus selfishly on everything under the sun, which is what the teacher, what Solomon is, is teaching us in the book of Ecclesiastes, if our focus is solely under the sun, everything that we do, uh, we, will, we, will, we, we will be met with dissatisfaction. We, we, will, um, we will be exhausted to no end. Um, basically, the, the main word that he uses is, uh, which your translation uses as meaningless or vanity, is hevel. And that word uh, literally means smoke or vapor. Uh, one guy I listened to this last week, he, he, he referred to it as enigma. Uh, enigma is something that is mysterious, puzzling, or difficult to understand. And if we focus simply on things under the sun, then it clearly is a mystery, right? Um, there are many, many, many things we do not have privy information or knowledge into. If, if something is, is, an, is an enigma, it is difficult to understand. That's life in a nutshell, right? Uh, why did that person respond in that way? Why did that thing happen that way? Why, 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 why? And we find that for many of those things, at least immediately and maybe never, there is not an explanation. Not in our mind, not in our life, not in our wisdom, not in our experience. There's no explanation, which is why we need to live on the promises of God, not explanations. I mean, at least from our finite human brains and existence. You know, someone, someone said to me last week, Ecclesiastes is so depressing. It's so discouraging. I'm like, wait, what? Are you reading the same book that I am? Because it's not. It, it really isn't. If we understand why it was written, how it was written, what it is, uh, it was written, uh, they believe, at the end of Solomon's life as he reflects back on his life and all of his int- attempts to fulfill himself under the sun, and he had everything at his fingertips. 
everything. He was the wisest and likely the most powerful man on the planet for a period of time. He could do anything he wanted to. And he literally, in his younger years, did everything and anything he wanted to. But his mistakes are, are our wisdom. We can look back and we can recognize that, that those things that he's saying, yes, end in destruction and depression and discouragement if we live our life only under the sun. That's what he's cautioning against. Um, I mean, there is yucky stuff in there, and we're going to look at some yucky stuff today. Um, but it makes his point. <laughs> it, it proves that life simply lived and only lived under the sun is hevel. It's smoke. You can see it. You know it's there. You chase after it. You reach for it. You try and grab it, and it poof, it's gone. It's not there. There's nothing there. Um, in the beginning of chapter 3, which is where I would like you to turn this morning, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Solomon reminds us once again of something positive. I said there were six times when Solomon returns to things positive. This is the second one. We looked at the first one last week. So let's look at it. I'm going to read the first eight verses. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Does a, a song come into your head when you... Da, 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 da. I listened to that song this morning. Um, turn, turn, turn. Uh, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, and a time to give up, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. I mean, all, all of life is a cycle, right? Uh, remember shampoo, directions on shampoo, wet, Lather, rinse, repeat. That's life. Water comes down, it goes into the ground or in the ocean, it evaporates, it becomes clouds, it comes down, it's a cycle. The sun is in a cycle. All of life, we, we kind of feel like it's temporary, but, but the world as we know it, which has been in existence in, for thousands of years and we live for less than 100, um, our life is the one that's here and gone tomorrow. All that other stuff just, you know, keeps rolling, right? Um, sometimes that rolling even, may even seem random and chaotic if our perspective isn't high enough. We need to have a high perspective. And, and there's a spiritual battle going on, don't get me wrong. And, and Satan is doing everything within his power to kill and destroy. That's, that's his mission. But our Lord and King, our master and servant, our almighty God is sovereign over all. And, and don't ever utter the words, God must be against me because he is not. He is for you. He has done everything he could for you. I mean, we may experience discipline, right? And, and that doesn't feel good. You ask your children after you've given a, 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 a swift paddling or they've spent some, some time in, in their room or you've grounded them from electronics for an hour. 
They don't think you're for you. They don't think you as a parent are for them in that moment. It doesn't feel like that, but you are. You are for them. See, he loves us. So as we start this morning, Solomon is going to remind us of four things in these two, book, in these two chapters, and I'm going to try and get through these two chapters. Okay, now I did leave study notes in for you for further study, which covers both chapter 3 and chapter 4. So you can read chapter 3, do the chapter 3 study notes to think deeper on it this week. Because um, we're just going to kind of whiz through this. The, the first thing that Solomon reminds us to do is to look up. Because God is at work. God is at work. I, I'm, I'm not going to comment on all of these, but I do want to explain a few of them because I think they, they need explaining. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die. You see, these things that are listed here aren't random things. These things occur under the sovereignty of God. God is at work in the midst of those things in his time, in his way. We need to remember that. Birth and death. See, things like abortion and birth control and, and mercy killing and, and surrogate mothers make it look like we're in control of, of birth and life and death, but we're not. We, we really aren't. Um, birth and death are not accidents. They are divine appointments. And, and we may hasten death through a terrible decision in a moment of depression and discouragement, but we will never prevent our time to die when it comes. Uh, there was a passenger on a rather turbulent flight, and he was attempting to encourage the passenger sitting next to him. And you've, you've probably heard this a hundred times, but, but um, he was trying to encourage this person sitting next to him. They were just fearful, the shaking of the plane and all of that. And, and, and this passenger said, well, you know, if it's your time to die, you don't need to worry, because if it's your time, it's your time. And the guy's like, yeah, but what if it's the pilot's? Right? The sovereignty of God. I don't know how he works all of that out, but he does. He does. We are given an amount of time. We are given a certain amount of gifts, talents, uh, uh, abilities to live our life in the way that God has created us, to live our life for the period of time that he's given it to us. So what are we going to do? Going to waste it away or are we going to live it? Okay? Um, Ephesians chapter 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He has good works for you. He has things that he wants you to do. He has words that he wants you to say to other people. He has comments that he wants you to make that, that encourage them and that build them up. Uh, an ear, he's given us ears to listen to people when they need us to listen to them. Psalm 139 verse 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. A time to be born and a time to die. Planting and plucking. I mean, we know about that, right? Um, only God can send rain. Uh, God provides the heat and the growth. We may plow, we may cultivate, we do everything we possibly can, right? I mean, we no-till drill because it'll save moisture and it'll help the corn and all of that, but ultimately, the growing is up to God. The growing and, and the crop, it, it's up to Him. We have no say in, in the weather, right? Um, we, we want to because we think we would know better how to operate it, but... Um, you know, it's often been said that uh, 
that farmers and ranchers don't need to play the lottery or go to Vegas because they're already gambling. That's not true. That can't be true. Because if you're doing what God has given you to do, however he lines that out for you to do it, that is not a gamble. That is being faithful to what God has called you to do and to be. And if that's a farmer, that's a farmer. If that's a doctor, that's a doctor. You do what you can in your power and you leave the rest up to him. Because if you don't, you will fail. You will end up discouraged. Uh, like like some, some ranchers in some big blizzards who lost their herd, you may take your own life because you have no hope because it's all in things under the sun. But life isn't all in things under the sun. It's just not. We're, we're given this. You know, and, and here's the thing. Farmers and ranchers have to work with nature. They can't work against it. They have to work with it, with what God is going to do. And, and that's the same way in our own life. We need to work with him, not against him. Yeah, but God, I don't want to do that. Well, that's not, I want to do this. That's not, this is not what I created you to do. I created you to do this. And if you do this, you will find peace, joy, fulfillment, because that's who I created you to be. Um, that, that is great news to me. God is in control of all of that. Killing and healing. This statement I think maybe less about war and, and more about sickness and plagues in the land. Um, why are some healed when we pray and some aren't? I, I don't know. I, I'm not even sure if God were to explain to me why I would be, I would feel good about that. Right? I mean, I, I lost my mom at a young age and, and she had cancer and we prayed for her to be healed and God didn't choose to heal her. And you know what? He's sovereign over all of that. And the best thing for us to do is thank God for the time that we had our mom and ask God, what next? What's the next step? What, what, who do you want me to be now? Because um, I can't answer why. I just continue to hold on to God's promises because he knows best. He is working. He heals some and he doesn't others. We celebrate those that he heals and we, we in fact, mourn those he doesn't. And, and Solomon talks about that too. Um, Psalm 116 verse 15 says this, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. A, a, a deacon in, in my home church Gave me that verse over the phone when I was a University of Wyoming student just a month after my mom died. And I would tell people that, that he gave me that verse and they're like, are you kidding me? He said that? Um, and that was the most comforting verse I've ever heard in my life in that moment. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Uh, planting and plucking, killing and healing, casting away stones and gathering stones. What in the world does that mean? Um, I actually love this one because some of you may get it, some of you may not. You, you can't grow, you can't plow and grow crops in a field that's full of stones. It doesn't work well. It breaks stuff, it, it doesn't grow well, so what do we do? We pick all the stones out. There is a time for 
casting them away, getting them out of that field. It was a huge problem for Israel. In fact, a tour, tour guides in Israel will tell you that God gave an angel a bag of stones and said, spread them all out over, over the planet. And, and they say that the angel tripped right over Palestine and dumped them all in Israel. You can't plow a field if it's full of stones. And um, enemies would also do that to their enemies. They would gather stones and they would go out in the middle of the night and they would spread them out into their fields so that they couldn't grow their crops. It can be used for evil too. Embracing and refraining from embracing. Uh, People in the Near East traditionally greet greet each other and depart with a hug and a kiss as as a show of affection. Um, as Westerners, we're like, ooh, I that's just, I want my personal space. But that's, it, there, there is a time for, um, for embracing and refraining from embracing. In, in other words, translated, maybe we could translate it this way, a time to say hello and a time to say goodbye. There, there is a time for that, and it's all under the sovereignty of God. It's a natural part of life. Sometimes those goodbyes are permanent, aren't they? Um, getting and losing, I didn't know really what to say about getting and losing. Uh, one translation says, a time to search and a time to give up. Um, but the end of verse 6 right there gives us biblical authority to hold garage sales. Right? <laughs> a time to keep and a time to throw away. Tearing and mending. It could refer to the Jewish practice of tearing your garment during a time of grief. Or repentance. And, and, you know, God knows what sorrow is. God, God was separated from his son for a period of time. He knows, he knows sorrow. Um, Jesus wept when his friend Lazarus died. Uh, and I believe tears are a gift from God when it comes to sorrow and sadness. Um, it, it, it helps cleanse our soul um, we should grieve, but, but we are reminded in Scripture not to grieve like those who have no hope. First uh, Thessalonians. Turn, turn from Ecclesiastes to First Thessalonians chapter 4. And I, I debated whether I had enough time to, to do the, this text, and I probably don't, but I didn't want to leave it out. Brothers and sisters... We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep, who were in the Lord. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. If we know someone, if we love someone, and they loved Jesus Christ, and they take their last breath, that's good. It really is. I'm not saying it's not hard. 
And I'm not saying it doesn't cause pain and grief because the more we love someone, the harder it is to let them go. But would I ever want my mother back on this planet? No way. No way. That's why, that's why we celebrate communion the first Sunday of, of every month to, as a reminder of the Jesus' broken body and the blood that he shed for us. For us. And then following a time of grief, and, and it's different for everyone this time of grief, it's time to start sewing things back together, tearing and mending, loving and hating. As the next phrase after loving and hating says, war and peace, Solomon may have been referring to, to the nation. So our, our, there is a time for our nation to love and hate, to, to, for there to be war and there to be peace, depending on what ha what's happening in the circumstances of their relationships with other nations. Although there are things that we as Christians should hate, right? Um, like sin, for instance. <laughs> we should hate it. Not, not want to be around it, not want it to be a part of our life. Um, some of these things that we're to hate are described in Scripture. Um, 2 Chronicles 19, Psalm 97, Proverbs 6. 2 Chronicles 19, Psalms 97, Proverbs 6. You know, life is like, like a medicine that a doctor might prescribe. You know, if we were to take any one of the single ingredients in that medication, it would probably kill us. But with the right blending... Um, there, there is healing to be found. God is sovereignly in control of everything. And, and in his time and his purpose, um, he's working it out. All of these things that Solomon just listed, we can trust God with. If we try to live in the midst of those things on our own, solely under the sun, they will be hevel. Now, that's not fatalism. Um, holding on to that truth. And, and it also doesn't rob us of our freedom and our res responsibility in life. Um, but, but our loving Father does all things well. <laughs> he does all things perfectly. And, and he promises us that he will work all things to the good of those who know and love him. And we need to stand on that promise. When hard things happen, we experience those hard things, not from a solely under the sun perspective, but, but for one where we are with and in the hands of a loving God. And he hasn't left us because we're experiencing this difficult thing. He is right there continuing to work things out in the cycle of life and in our life. God is at work always. And we have to look up to see it. We have to look up to our Heavenly Father. We have to look up to Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because if we don't, all we do and search for is heaven. Next, we need to look in. We need to look in because we have eternity in our hearts. We talked about this last week. What? Verse 9. He says this a second time. He's already asked this question once. What do workers gain from their toil? And now I want to say that 
He's now answering that question from a different perspective. I have seen, verse 10, the burden God has laid on the human race. Um, Now that I have this new information, I can answer that better. Seemingly inconsistencies, confusing things, but this time, Solomon is writing with a different attitude. And his answer, verse 11, he, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. It's not meaningless. It's it's not vanity. It's not smoke. It is God-given. And and one of those things that is God-given is this link that we have to eternity. Because he's working in our present, but we also know that there is an eternity to look forward to. And we know that because he has set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. But, but, but I want to understand this, but you can't because you're a finite person with a beginning and an end and God has always been and will always be. So there are certain things in life that we just need to say, I don't get it. It's a mystery and we need to be okay with mysteries when it comes to God. I'm just going to trust him. Um, I, heard, I heard our music leader this morning say, just trust me, Tim. I don't know what that was all about, but, um, right? Did he prove that he could be trusted? Okay. God can be trusted. God can be completely trusted. Um, our life is a gift from God. We want to find reason and explanation for everything. Part of the reason is because we feel like that gives us some control, Understanding is control. Power can be control. And if we, if we want power over someone, we need to just know more than they do. But you see, God makes all things beautiful in its time. He's sovereign over it all. And, and we can thank him for all things. And as we do, our attitude changes. There's things that have happened to me and my family and, and our community in the last month. And I'm, I'm meeting those things with a totally different attitude than I would have before jumping and diving into Ecclesiastes in the last series that we did. Some of it, it comes down to our attitude. And we know that our life is linked to eternity. So basically here, we, look, if, if, you, if you believe that God is your co-pilot, you need to switch seats because he needs to be your pilot and you need to be in the back, putting your seat backs and your tray tables in their upright position, fastening your seat belts and enjoying the ride. Seriously. Some of that Enjoyment comes from doing what you're told, right? You don't do what they ask you to on an airplane. They don't, they don't like that. I've watched videos of people losing their minds on airplanes, and the only thing they gain is a lifetime ban from ever flying that plane again, possibly some jail time, depending on how crazy they got. And if they would have just simply taken a deep breath 
and done what they were asked to do, they could have enjoyed the ride. Now, I enjoy flights more than some people I know, but... Verse 12, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That's positive. And that's living not solely under the sun. That's living with God and under his lordship. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it, nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. We should have a healthy respect of our God. He is almighty, sovereign. We're not. And when we are able to give up our need to have an explanation and live in the promises of God... We can live a successful life. Um, Our life is enjoyable now. Actually, that's how that statement was supposed to be read. I'm like, I didn't finish that statement. And when we are able to give up our need to have an explanation and live in the promises of God, our life is enjoyable now. Uh, And this enjoyment is not pagan hedonism, okay? but instead the practice of enjoying God's gifts as we work and live and enjoy the fruit of what he gives us. The talents and abilities that he wove into your being before you were even formed. I wonder, I shouldn't do this. Is there a person that's not alive today because of abortion who would have cured cancer? I mean, we don't. What? Some people say, well, if we had another 65 million bodies on this planet, look, what would we do with those? Well, it would just be totally different. We, look, we're going to have to re-educate our entire nation on what it means to not be okay with killing a child just because it's inconvenient to me. Now, I realize that there are, there are some minuscule percentage of complex issues, but in my opinion, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't studied up on this, in my opinion, the majority of abortions that have occurred since Roe v. Wade have been because this child would be an inconvenience to me. I, I can't verify that. That's, that's, where, that's what it looks like to me. It is. Which is a sin. And we're all sinners, right? We're all selfish in some way, shape, or form. Which is why this whole, the whole last couple series have been so powerful in my life. Because I kind of like... I, I wouldn't call it judgmental, but I can be judgmental. Yeah, you shouldn't do that. I don't do that. Um, theological arrogance, uh, moral arrogance, 
the song that Manon mentioned to me last week, um, we were all together just relaxing and hanging out. Um, we were pouring concrete. Um, <laughs> when the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade was, and we, when we prayed and we praised God, and uh, you know, it reminded of her a song, you know, what, what, what do you do when, when uh, a mom enters a, a, a clinic and chooses to keep the child, and what do you do with a mom when she comes into a clinic and she chooses not to keep the child? What do we do with those moms? We love them both. We love them both. Because as soon as we start, and, and I'm not saying we don't make judgments about what's right and wrong, because we need to do that. But when we condemn other people for their choices, we need to be sure that there isn't any splinter in our own eye when we do that. But we, need to, we need to love them and be patient with them and try and point them to the truth and the forgiveness that comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So, our life is enjoyable now. I mean, um, look at John 14, 1 through 6. Did I put that one up? Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This is Jesus speaking. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And, and if I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus says, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Now, that doesn't mean only while you're walking on the planet because we just read from Paul in 1 Thessalonians that the dead will be raised again who are in Christ Jesus and then all of us who are left over who are in Christ Jesus will be raised to meet them in the air. Okay, so, so that's all who are Christ followers. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So we don't be troubled. Jesus lives today. He has overcome death. He has overcome sickness. He has overcome sin. In all things, we look up, we look in, and we also look ahead. We must be prepared for death ourselves. Um, taking Jesus' words from John 14 and applying, applying them does just that. It, it helps us be ready for what's coming ahead. Um, the teacher says in verse 15 of chapter 3, whatever is has already been and whatever will be has been before and God will call the past to account. And, and I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. I said to myself, God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. In other words, really, we should leave judgment to God. And I also said to myself, as for humans, God tests them so that they may be so that they may see that they are like the animals. Surely the fate of human beings is like that of the animals. The, the same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. He is specifically talking about life. Not, not value, not importance, not whether they have a soul or not. It's we all are born and we all have a, an expiration date. Just like the animals. All go to the same place 
not speaking spiritually, but he goes on and explains it. I'll come from dust, and to dust all will return. Who knows if the human spirit rises upward and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth. So I saw that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work because that is their lot, their God-given lot. God gives us that work. It's not just toil because it's hard. It's, it's, it's work that God gives us and it does profit us. Done under God, not under, solely under the sun. For who can bring them to see what will happen? If we live without Jesus, it's heaven. And it's true, from dust we came and to dust we will turn, right? And then the last thing, and this one is just, I'm, I, you're, you're looking at your notes going, holy smokes, right? Is there like 0.4 and then four, four things under that, or is it just 0.4? I don't remember. Okay. 0.4 is we need to look around. And we need to be willing to say, just like Solomon did, that, that life just isn't fair. It's, it's not. It's not, ever. You know, parents, you can tell your kids that, and they're like, yeah, right, it's just, I'm the only one on the planet whose parents tell me I can't do this, and you say, you know what, life's not fair. Just get, just gonna have to get used to it, which is true. It doesn't seem fair. Um, there were four places that Solomon mentions, and this is chapter four, where, where he saw that life wasn't fair. In the courtroom, in the marketplace, on the highway, in everyday life, and in the palace, the places of power. And as usual, if we live and work and trade and drive and seek justice in all these areas, only under the sun, it's heaven. Smoke. Vanity, meaningless, without substance, temporary, no matter where Solomon went, no matter what way of life he studied, he continued to learn one lesson from the Lord, and that is when we look, when he looked up, he saw God in control of life. We need to look up and see God in control of life. God has set everything to balance, and when he looked ahead, he saw that human beings were all made for eternity. You and I, we've been made for eternity. We will live on when we take our last breath for eternity the question is where and we need to we need to recognize that god will make all things beautiful in their time romans 8:28 and we know that in all things god works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose and when and when he looked ahead he saw the last enemy that was death and we must be ready for that reality. No amount of ignoring the future is going to stop the future from happening. And as we continue to observe, as we see in chapter 4, he understood the reality of life. It is complex. It, it is difficult and not easy to explain sometimes. No matter where we look, there are people that need some encouragement. There are people that need us to stand in the gap for them trials and problems in the world. So, so what are we going to do? Are we just going to throw up our hands, eat, drink, and be merry and die? Because if we do, the book of Ecclesiastes is totally depressing and discouraging because he's right. It's hevel if that's how we live our life. Should we get cynical? Should we give up? What did Jesus say? 
John 16, 33, it was our memory verse for the last two, we- two weeks. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Several people asked me during the day on Friday, why, why do things like this happen? Can there be anything good come out of this? And oh man, what great conversations we had. If this had happened six months ago, I'm not, honestly, I'm not sure how great that conversation would have been. I don't know. God can make this better. You know, an, ex- an explanation from God sometimes may not make us feel better. Uh, a, a quaint saying and pithy and cliche statement can't immediately ease the struggle of our pain. But clinging to our Savior can. The disciples said to Jesus, where else would we go? You are the Christ. You are the one. That needs to be our response. Also in chapter 4, he talks about two being better than one. Right? It's pretty lonely if, if you were just by yourself. If, if Brian Greenwald was single and all he had was that place and he was by himself and he had no friends, what would that be like? He would have looked at all of that and went, no reason to live anymore. All my, all my, all my everything is gone. But, but that's not true because he wasn't created to just experience stuff. Um, what happened was, and for, for everybody around, and we need to keep asking because there's still, I'm sure, some work to be done and we need to pray for them and Anderson Carpet and um, what they don't need to hear in that moment is this is just stuff because it's their stuff, right? What they need to hear is we're here for you. What do we need to do? We'll help. Nobody, nobody on Friday was asking, does this person deserve to have their house um, sandbagged? There weren't any judgments on how they live or, or who they are or what their economic status was. It was, where do they need to go? That's why Project One is such an incredible thing for us because it's like, we don't make judgments. This is a need. We're here to love you and help you because that's what Jesus calls us to do. Two are better than one. And three, that, that cord cannot be broken. With God as our supporting cord in our life. See, Solomon doesn't tell us to get out of the race. He doesn't say quit running, quit trying. He says, you need to run under a different banner. Um, life comes at us at full speed without warning, and we got to stand up and meet it head on, and with God's help, we can. No matter what Satan throws at us, we, we can. With God's help, we can make the most of it. That's how we navigate the unfairness of life, and we enjoy it. And we find peace in those times. Mark eight thirty six through 37, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or, or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul, Jesus said. See, in our faith, we learn to live with seeming inconsistencies and, and absurdity, absurdities, for we live by promises and not by explanation. 
we can't ultimately explain life, but, but we can experience it, and we can, we can experience it either by enduring it or by enjoying it. Solomon calls us to accept life one day at a time and be satisfied, but not satisfied with ourselves, but satisfied with the fact that we are a child of God and he's working in this life. Someone asked me after church last week what the opposite of Hevel was. You know, I hadn't really thought about it that way. What is the opposite of Hevel? And the word that I responded with, the word that came to my mind was Jesus. It's Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. The one who came not to be served, but to serve. Our Savior, who sacrificed his life for us stinky sheep. Death on a Roman instrument of torture. He shed his blood, all of it. And proof that he was God was the fact that he was in a tomb for three days, rose again, and appeared before hundreds of people who testify to the fact that he was alive. And then he ascended into heaven and is now at the right hand of the Father. That's why we celebrate this this morning. If you're here in this room and you are a Christ follower, join together with me this morning as we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. The, the reason that we have hope in this life. The, the reason that life is not hevel. The reason that our work is not hevel. The reason that, that you know, the sacrifices that you make for your family or your community or, or for others and, and, and all of that stuff, it's not hevel because it's what God has given us to do. Man, I want to do that. And I don't want to do that by myself. I want to do it with you. I want to do it together. You know, several people, oh, thank you so much for opening your church up to us. I mean, let me tell you what, we had every sort of, not every, the governor wasn't here. <laughs> the secretary of state was here. There were representatives here. The sheriff was here. The, I mean, I, the list just goes on and on and on. They were here. Lots of people were here. And, and look, this, we didn't run around and say, hey, don't track mud in here. Or don't get dirt in here or whatever. This, this building was built for us to minister from, and that's exactly what happened on Friday. Now, that's not a pat on our back. That's who God has given us. That's who God has made us to be. Anytime our community needs us, we need to be there, right? Oh, not too busy. I was supposed to go to the lake Friday afternoon. Didn't get there till yesterday. It was hot last night. <laughs> I'd have been much more comfortable in my house. So this morning, here's the thing. This morning, as we come to the table, we're going to play a song, um, and, and you're going to come. And uh, if you're a Christ follower, there's, there's, um, there's bread, which represents his body. Take a piece. There's the cup, which represents his shed blood. Take a cup. If you're um, gluten intolerant, there's gluten-free wafers here for you. Um, come to a station. There's a station in the balcony. Maybe you, you come forward and you just stand at the altar and, and worship for a little bit or pray or get on your knees or whatever. Um, for the next five minutes, ten minutes, I mean, if it's ten minutes, we're still out earlier than we were a couple weeks ago. So um, let, let's worship. Let's be grateful for what God has done for us and continue to find the hope in this life 
because we're not just living it under the sun, we're living it for him.